Hello and welcome to the Boys in Red and White podcast. We're back after quite a long hiatus. My name is Tom Dow and I'm joined as always by my best friend Andre Grayson. Hello Mr Dow. Hello Mr Grayson and it's, it, it feels lovely to hear you refer to me as Mr Dow as always. <laughs> but it's been a been a long time since we've done that on air, so this is a this is a, a novelty. It feels. It really is. It really is. I noticed it was episode forty nine, forty nine undefeated as well. Um, yes, I, yes. I actually can't believe we've done that many because I I I was trying to look up when the last one was, and I I'm I'm going to I'm going to, but it's been a bloody long time. It has, but um, I, I feel like this number for Arsenal fans is going to be more significant than when we record number 50. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, this is episode 49, 49 undefeated. <laughs> yeah, okay, I've got it. It was the 10th of March. Oh, wow. And we reviewed Brentford at home, Wolves at home and Watford away. Oh, wow. That's um, Yeah, long that's... time. Not much has happened. <laughs> Well, I think uh, first thing we need to make sure we don't do is obviously it'd be very easy for us to be like, oh, we'll just go through every game that's happened since then. <laughs> but I don't, th- I don't think that would be particularly entertaining for our uh, our three listeners. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I think today's about just obviously recapping various points of the season and also looking ahead to the new season and potentially any potential transfer business we might do in the uh, upcoming weeks. So lots and lots for us to get our teeth stuck into. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, where do you want to start, Tom? Uh, I suppose we have to, we've got to start at the end of the, end of the season and, and obviously there was significant disappointment um, from the, the way that the season did end. But I sort of felt like... Like going to the Everton game, I texted you on the on the last day of the season, midway through the first half, and just said, "I feel so so flat," and you sort of echoed those sentiments back to me. Um, and then as the game went on, there wasn't that feeling of negativity or, or or depression around the ground. It was it was quite an uplifting experience in the end because obviously mm. they did the lap of appreciation at the end and. It was a, a comprehensive win and we saw some goals. And I think as the second half progressed, we sort of saw how this mood of optimism around the club is is being maintained. And I quite I quite enjoyed that to an extent. So as much as I was complaining about the day itself um, in the first half, by the end of it, I actually felt, I suppose, a wave of optimism looking forward because there has been progression throughout the campaign. There has been notable improvements to how Arsenal are set up and obviously I think as much as we've seen on the pitch going on there's been an awful lot going on behind the scenes which has kind of set the benchmark for the upcoming season and for the uh, the years that sort of progress beyond that so I think there's a lot of optimism but there is obviously going to be that tinge of disappointment and sadness that we weren't quite able to get over the line into the into the Champions League um, and it's even more devastating that that lot up the road um, mm. got there instead of us, which I think I'd be able to compartmentalise it a lot better if it wasn't them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Because, you know, if that was Man United, 
uh, you know, who, who really should have finished fourth. We, we should have been this season absolutely nowhere near it. And it's easy to say that now. I wasn't saying that three weeks ago. I was so sure we'd go to Spurs and get a point and finish the job at Newcastle. Um, and I think because I really believed we were just going to make it happen, the fact it fell apart the way it did to them... And, you know, I know there's been a lot about the postponement and I think I still think that the noise around that is absolute bollocks. Um, <laughs> I do think on in hindsight, we should have played the game in January and I think we'd have still lost, but I think we'd have not had the dramatic pressure that came upon us in the Newcastle game where we froze. But that's, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. It just wasn't meant to be. But I agree with you. I've left feeling positive. And ultimately, I think it's really hard because six weeks ago, we were all planning European trips, looking up who's qualifying for the Champions League. You know, I really was listening to the theme music. We're singing about Mikel Arteta <laughs> taking us to the Champions League. You know, let's not pretend this doesn't really, really cut deep but I like that when the season ended I just didn't feel sad I felt happy because you know go back a year ago when we're doing this podcast every week and it's Willian and it's a Bamiyang and we looked like we got no goals in the team but we got David Luiz next to Rob Holding ending the season with uh, Xhaka at left back you know how we ended last season without fans was absolutely horrible yeah. and I just can't feel that. I have honestly had one of the best seasons since I think I had got a ticket, season ticket in 2012. This has been the best, most enjoyable season following the club I think I've ever had. And I can't separate that. Yes, yeah, not Champions League. I just can't separate that from where we fit, where where we finished, you know, fifth, if you had said at the start of the season, fifth, I know everyone's saying this, of course you'd have taken it. We wouldn't six weeks ago. But I'm not unhappy we're in a European competition. We could actually win. I, don't get me wrong. I dream of the Champions League. I miss it so much. And as you said, it it, it double hurts because it's them. But you've just got to look at where we were. We finished eighth. We've come fifth and it feels different. And you know, For you and I, who I think I was working out between us, we only didn't go to Sunderland at home and Leeds away uh, due to COVID around Christmas, we've been at uh, 43 of the 45 games this season between us. And you can't, you can't fool that. You can't fool what it feels like and being part of all those atmospheres. So I'm still feeling on a bit of a high that the season was as good as it was, more so than the disappointment at the end. Yeah, I think you've summed it up really well. And um, like you said, it's, it's been a really unbelievable journey following the club up and down the country. Um, and th there's been something that's felt different. Um, and the, the connection between the fans and the players and everyone associated with the club, it's just, it's just so different than what it was at the end of last season. And I think you've got to give Mikel Arteta huge credit for that. Um, and also the players, you have to give massive credit for how they've regenerated that, that connection. And I think what's been really, really telling is the fact that we, we we are just so far away from where we were last year. That is the telling factor. And I'm really just enjoying going to football again. Like, obviously, you and I are in a position where we just go anyway. 
Right, whether it's miserable or not, we just go because we've got an illness. <laughs> but um, uh, it's it's just so pleasant to be going and enjoying football again. And I've had some amazing experiences this year um, with you. I'm thinking. I know we're going to touch on some of the um, some of our, our memories this year. But you think to Chelsea when we beat them four two, and we started to believe again. We think when we went up to Aston Villa and the Mikel Arteta song started. Um, taking pace and all of those memories I will, I will cherish moving forward and hopefully next season we can carry on making fantastic memories and fantastic uh, away days but it's, it's been brilliant it's been absolutely brilliant this season um, but yeah I think that that is what I'm holding on to there is that disappointment of course there is and we're not going to be those fans of go yeah I didn't want Champions League anyway but realistically we can win the Europa League, whereas we cannot win the Champions League unless there's some absolute miracle taking place throughout the season. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm feeling quite optimistic and it gives us that other route of trying to get into the Champions League whilst also potentially winning a trophy. So mm. I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite enthusiastic about that. What I did want to talk about is obviously, I think it's probably important to highlight sort of within this podcast where where we think it went wrong this season and I don't want to dwell on that too much because obviously is we're in this positive space but I think I spoke to you on the last day and said that it's very difficult and I spoke to you when I was on the way back from from Newcastle which obviously we'll come on to that trip later <laughs> um, but when we when I was on the way back and we were talking about it and we both said right Champions League's gone there's no way Tottenham aren't aren't getting a result at Norwich, which obviously proved to be absolutely correct. But you just have to look at throughout the season and you can see the form of a young squad, a young, inexperienced squad throughout the campaign. And it's been where we have had a defeat and it's never been just one defeat. It's always been followed with another defeat or three defeats. And then has um, we've recovered after that and gone on a bit of a run. And it's been those runs, those negative runs, that have pretty much cost us in my eyes. Um, you can kind of put the first three games of the season to one side because of obviously the COVID factors. Um, but you look at Man United away, Everton away uh, at the beginning of December as being probably fairly substantial results that cost us. And obviously the run of Crystal Palace, Brighton and Southampton as well. And if you take those out of the situation, then obviously if we turn one of those defeats into a victory, then it's a different story. But that's pretty much, in my eyes, what's cost us this season. And I do think it's down to the fact we are a, a young, inexperienced squad. I don't know what you think, Andre. Um, I, I, I don't fully agree. I do agree that's a huge factor when I look at because because I think what we have to say is that for every Brighton at home or Southampton away there was the Wolves away and the um you know scraping past Villa away and for me it comes down to the same thing there are no goals in this team and it is a miracle we are where we are and I think this is why I can deal with it because I look at that team and <laughs> it's bizarre I didn't mean to, but before we were joining um, this, Arsenal v Brentford, for some reason, is a full 90 is playing on Sky. Uh, of course it is. Why wouldn't the, it be? Well, exactly. The home game as well. Not even a game that was on Sky. And I, I don't know why. I was just watching it. And I only saw about two, three minutes. 
And it was some build-up play and Saka and Odegaard connect. And then they look in the middle and Lacazette is nowhere. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think, because we'll come on to Eddie shortly, but for so much of this season, we haven't had goals in the side. And what you're saying about youth, I'm going, yeah, you're right. But obviously we had a Bamiyang and Lacazette at the start of the season. Then we had Lacazette backed up by Eddie. And Lacazette scored four league goals this season. Eddie <laughs> scored five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie didn't score off the bench. Okay, so we're right off. He's clearly not a good sub. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. He he might be if we were better. You know, had more um more in our Arsenal. Ironically, going forward, <laughs> we just have no goals. Gabriel outscored Lacazette. And it's unbelievable. I'm not, this isn't to slate Lacazette, by the way. It isn't. It isn't. But we <laughs> have done it. this. <laughs> Well, we've always talked about him carrying a caravan. And ironically, the last time we did a pod would have been just after Wolves at home where we kind of gave him the goal. And then the three assists at Watford away. And then I think that was his... (laughs) It's almost like our ability to podcast has gone in line with Lacazette's form. It's been non-existent, right? (laughs) So... So, and I just think that's the single piece that you go, look, we need a midfielder, we need X, we need Y, whatever. A a striker who actually concerns the defence will make such a difference to this side because you add 10 goals. A striker scoring 15 is not that good a striker, okay? We had one who scored four. You know, if we got 15 goals out of our striker and a good striker should score you 20, you win games you don't deserve to win. For me, we won every single game we deserve to win this season and the losses could have gone another way on a different day, Yeah, but it kind of balanced out for us. We, were, we weren't like last season where one goal wins it. We Once we went 1-0 up, we looked like we'd score again. Confidence flowed into the team. But the fact we've not come back from behind, for me, is more on a striker than anything else. And maybe I'm giving Arteta a huge pass there, because we'll come on to him, of course. But that's where I think it's slightly different. I just think, you know, ultimately, as much as I don't want to give them praise, but like Son and Kane combined for the highest number of goals in the league between them this season, I'm pretty sure, as a, as a pair. Yes, I think you're right. And they, you know, Son finished top scorer and he he's backed up by Harry Kane. Like, this is, that's the difference. For me, that is the difference. I actually think we've got a better team, but they have that star quality up front, goals out of nothing, penalties out of nothing as well, let's not forget. And, um, you know, it is what it is. What, could, what can you, you know, if you don't have the players, you cannot compete. So... For me, it comes down to to having no goal threat up front from from central areas. It's pretty hard to argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think the uh, the proverbial caravan that we're talking about with Lacazette as the season's gone on, that caravan has got bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> you could sell it for millions now. It's yeah. like got two floors. There's a jacuzzi upstairs. I'd go as far to say it, it's it's turned into a ferry now. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah. So it's it's yeah. I think I think both those angles kind of cover where it's gone wrong this season. But it's very difficult to argue your your case about the lack of goals, which we've talked about on various other podcasts about that. And I I think 
the reason why Tottenham have, have pipped us is, like you said, because they have got those players that can win a game from nothing, essentially. And we don't really have that. Um, or you can make a case for Bukayo Saka, but it's a lot to put on the shoulders of such a young man. Um, mm. Okay, so shall we move on to something more po- uh, optimistic and positive from that? <laughs> um, yes, let's do that. Oh, you, you hesitated then. That sounded like you were. Uh, you almost want to continue no. with this road of misery. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, because I think we should do the positive. I just, I just think, you know, and then this is a question I've got for you: the Newcastle game, right? For me, mm. whatever you say about the rest of the season is correct. Whatever I said about striker is also correct. But ultimately, all we had to do was be a middling. Yes, they were on the up. Yes. They, they were so up for it. But all we had to do was beat a team that finished 12th. Who, you know, I've got to be honest, however badly we played in that first half, when, you know, when Nuno did the foul throw and they countered, we still had 40, or sorry, 35 minutes to turn it round. We have... Honestly, that game and the Everton game are the worst we've played. But the Newcastle one is actually, you know, if you were doing where does it all go wrong, it's there. You know, and for me, my question to you is, how much do you put that on Arteta? And how much do you put that on the mentality, the fragility or the age of the players? I think you kind of have to link it partially to that that obviously interview that Granit Xhaka did after the game. And the reason why I say that is because I I, I think it's, although I've said that I think a reason why we've we failed this season ultimately is that it's because of the, the youthfulness of our squad. I do think that when you're in that situation and you're a professional footballer, that you have to take some responsibility. And I think the fact that Granit Jack has come out and said that we were doing things that the the coach didn't ask us to do. Mm. I think that's where you have to go. If 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 one of your your senior figures is making a statement like that, then I, I'd be inclined to believe what he's saying in terms of we're not doing what the game plan was. And I think that's where it does come into the the players to an extent because they 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 ultimately are responsible for their own performances. But that's by no means giving Arteta a pass because I think it's his job to make sure the players are capable of following that game plan. And by not, I, I, I do think it's a, it's a bit of a, a cop-out answer, but I do think it's, it's just a combination of the two. I think it is a combination of the players probably freezing a bit on the on the big stage following that defeat at the Swamp. Um, <laughs> and I think it is partially on Arteta because he's not been able to recover the team well enough to equip them to go out into a game against Newcastle and get a result. So that's probably where I'd be with that, mm. that argument. And and I suppose do you do you because I think do you think that the youthfulness of our squad is one thing, but do you think the inexperience of our manager coupled with the youth is actually where this has all gone wrong? I yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think we we said very early in Arteta's tenure that he is learning on the job, essentially. And mm. 
there are there are a lot of upsides to him learning on the job because obviously it means we're a project that he's very invested in. But there's obviously going to be down points as well where he's going to make mistakes. And unfortunately, that is happening on Arsenal's time. Um, so I'd be, I, I do think it's a combination of the two. But I think you just have to hope that the mistakes we've made this season, if we're in a similar position next year, we don't make them again. And we hope that Arteta doesn't make them again because that, if you want to be an elite coach, he has to learn from those mistakes very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree, and I think we've we've solved the season. But I do think that's it. Josh Kroenke, step Edu, step aside. We've fixed it. We've, we've sorted fixed everything. <laughs> I think my biggest positive, though, I would say, is that I truly believe we've got the manager who will learn from it and do what it takes to not feel like this again. And if he doesn't, we will move on. And I, I believe that as well. I know he's got a new contract, but I think if Christmas, we're not in content, I mean, oh, maybe because of the Europa League, but if we're, if we're languishing, you know, just inside the top of the table, sorry, well, I mean, top half of the table, sort of 10th to 6th by Christmas, you'd really have to consider his position next season because... For me, it's actually on a knife edge. And whilst he got the fans singing about him this year, you know, and that song was amazing and, and loved singing it. Um, you know, I do think that he he still has so much to prove. And yeah. I think what he's done culturally in the club is amazing. But ultimately, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a really, really tough three months. Because, of course, we've got the ridiculous World Cup next season in November. Um, which could throw out a very strange season, but that's that's for another day. Um, but yeah, I think he's got three months to really prove he, he has learnt from it and we're on the right trajectory with hopefully a striker he wants. But yeah, okay. All right, there we go. On to more positive, on to more positive news. Okay, perfect. So you sent me before this this podcast a, a list of some categories we could consider. And <laughs> I think I think the best way is just to go through them um, item by item, because they're, they're, all, they're all things that interest me and I want to talk about. So, um, right, let's start off with what has been your goal of the season, Mr. Grayson? Mm, uh, one we should add to this is moment of the season. Yes. Um, I think my uh, goal of the season is, and it, it depends what kind of goal you like, right? So, so Xhaka's smash is, is an exciting one. Team moves are obviously fantastic. But for me, um, I think I'd have to select um, Emil Smith-Rose against Chelsea. Um, because for me, that kind of finish is just so wonderful and it's been like we experienced that and where we our vantage point at Stamford Bridge that night um was was you couldn't tell how unbelievably far he sets that outside the post yeah and the way it bends in the way he arrives on it the one touch of it all the way we'd countered the way it put us um back in front was just such a brilliant moment and the skill to do that he is 20 yards out it oh it is just that is my kind of goal I just love it I'd love to score that goal so for me 
Emil Smith role, Emil Smith role uh, at Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? My, he's, he's not. It's not too dissimilar a, a goal in in the way that it's sort of finished. I think, but my my one would actually have to be um, just before Christmas when we beat West Ham two 0 and Martinelli's goal. I just loved oh. it. I loved it, and I think I, I loved it for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it was at a really integral moment in that game. We'd absolutely battered them first half and couldn't find a way through. And then we came out to the second half and it would have been very easy to come out into that game and be like, okay, well, we're, maybe it's not going to be our day. But we just kept going at them. And the way that he finished it, that's why I sort of linked it into your one because obviously it is a case of setting it out wide a goal and bending it into the far corner. And nowhere near to the same extent that Emil Smith-Roll did. Um, <laughs> but I I just loved the finish and I loved how similar it was to a Thierry Henry finish. Mm-hmm. And I think that whenever I see a goal like that scored by an Arsenal player, everyone around you just says, well, that was very Henri-esque, wasn't it? They <laughs> and, do. And I love it. I love it every time it happens. Walcott did a few over the years that were were similar to that and it had the same sort of response. And any time it happens, I feel equally as satisfied. So that mm. would be my, my favourite goal of the season. OK, should we run through some other contenders? Yes, the, the, absolutely. Okay, so I think I, I've just got the results up now. So have a look. I think um, I really liked uh, Martinelli's against Newcastle. Yes. Oh, lovely finish. The the Tomiyasu uh, floated ball um, and then banged in the far post. Um, there, do you know what? There's not a whole lot, you know. The Lacazette won against Southampton. That was a brilliant team move. Yeah. Um, I, I, to be fair, I, I really liked um, it, speaking on that Newcastle game. I really liked Saka's goal in that game as well. Um, oh, yeah. the, the little link with uh, Nuno Tavares and then just a, a smashed finish across goal. Um, mm. And again, that was at a really integral point where we were thinking, oh, are we going to find a breakthrough? Is this going to be one of those days? And then our, our main man comes up with that. So I put I put that into one that I really enjoyed as well. Mm. I'd go any of the goals from Watford as well. Yes. Odegaard, Saka and Martinelli. Um, yeah. I think Martinelli's probably pick of the bunch, especially with Arteta's assist. <laughs> <laughs> How much anger did that produce from the media, by the way? Oh, oh it's majestic, isn't it? Absolutely the, majestic. The Arsenal are back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Odegaard last game of the season as well. Yes, that was he, really that was close to being my my pick, if I'm honest, mm. because it just felt like the whole game just sort of stopped whilst he just did his thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. And and it was again another really sumptuous finish where there's barely any power on it and it's just placed into the corner. Um, mm. re- really fantastic. Mm. Um, I think um, I'm trying to think one of Abamyang's. Um, at West Brom right at the start of the season, which genuinely feels like a different lifetime ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> was was a lovely curled finish into the top court. That, that was to seal his hat-trick, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely. Um, yeah, okay. And then maybe maybe Cedric at the end of the season um, gets a special shout-out from me because I've been calling <laughs> Cedric to score 
every game this season and it finally happened right at the end. I mean, my favourite moment of that was um, the follow-up text. So for those that don't know, we did a crossover with my brother's podcast, which is um, R3 Sense. And we did a crossover episode and there's a group chat from ages ago um, with everyone in in that group chat. And my brother posted a comment as soon as Cedric scored to praise Andre for his, his... persistence with this prediction that Cedric would score a banger and he did indeed score a banger (laughs) oh dear finally happened but it has been every every week what do you think the score is going to be today I think Arsenal are going to win I think Cedric's going to score for 40 yards (laughs) that's been most of your predictions this year (laughs) it has it has oh dear very good all right so next category for you Tom is game of the season. Um, I'm 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 having a little bit of difficulty with this one in terms of because I'm looking at the next category where we're looking at favorite game of the season slash away experience. So I'm kind of merging the two. If you're if you're happy for me to do that, I'm, I'm happy for you to do that. Okay, excellent. I'm glad I got your permission. I got to check <laughs> these things. Um, but I think there's two that really stand out. I'm going to say three actually that stand out. And those three that stand out, and I'll do them in order of how the season's gone. The 6 0 at West Brom, I really enjoyed. It was a really fantastic away day, particularly on the back of how um, turbulent our start to the season had been. And. The atmosphere was fantastic. The, the Saka and Emil Smith Rose song took off, and it was just a, a really enjoyable away day. Um, mm. And then the other two that I that I put into that is our trip up to Villa Park was fantastic. Um, we had just such a good day from start to finish. I drove up and met you at yours, and then we drove up to to Villa Park, and we had a really good day despite the ridiculous traffic coming out of Birmingham. Mm. <laughs> and finally, it's very hard not to put the win at Stamford Bridge up there because that, I believe, is the first time that you or I have seen Arsenal win at Stamford yeah. Bridge. So I'd put that one up there. And just the sheer relief when when we got the penalty at the end and Saka scored it, um, that's probably up there with my moment of the season for mm. how, how exuberant and how happy I was. And the fact that we were all crammed into one little area together and there was about what was it like six or seven of us that we were yeah we all more. knew yeah and it was brilliant and I th- I'd say that's probably the moment of the season oh it's gonna be chill so I- I've got to say on the West Brom game I remember being with you and and of course so at that point we'd we'd lost to Brentford and we'd lost to Chelsea yes and then we'd gone to West Brom and I remember driving up after work meeting you up there and I remember in the away end and um, we we were behind the goal, if anyone can picture the Hawthorns, and we're shooting away from us. So Aaron Ramsdale's making his debut in front of us. And there's just constant singing about Aaron Ramsdale. Now, this was a, <laughs> this was a much maligned transfer. And I remember turning to you and going, this is different, Tom. Like, this is different. Like, people want to be here. And it, honestly, it started then. And it hasn't really changed um, in terms of the away experience. But I just remember it was, I think it was, da, 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 Aaron Ramsdale, da, 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 da. and we were a bit like, yeah, let's join in. And then the whole crowd <laughs> did it. And I was a bit like, wow, the support we're giving this guy. And, and look, 
three games later, sorry, two games later, he's in the first team and he doesn't look back. You know, he has ousted Bernd Leno completely. Um, and it was quite an amazing transformation. But when we talk about that bond, I always remember that moment for exactly that. Um, I think as well, what you said about Villa, honestly, you know, for anyone who doesn't go to away games, when the sun is out and we got there early, and that was when the Mikel Arteta chant was born, and you grind out a 1-0, because there's been all this stuff about over-celebrating, I can't express to you just how good that feels. Because you're up at sort of nine, well, you were up a lot, obviously a lot earlier, but you're up early, you're on the road by sort of half nine, ten, and it was beautiful sunshine. With we We're out in our T-shirts, shorts, watching Arsenal get three points in a game that matters. Honestly, it's what you do it for. You know, when I, I, I it really is what you do it for. Um, and Stamford Bridge, you know, so we had, um, you and I were next to each other and we were flanked by Sammy um, and Mark. And then behind us was my brother-in-law, Danny, um, his best mate, Luke, and Luke's dad. So it was, there was, what was that? Seven of us in one block um, and honestly, we just didn't expect it. We just did not think we'd go to Stamford Bridge and get anything. And it was absolutely incredible. Watching Eddie, I, I know what you said about the Saka goal, but Eddie poking that third one home yeah. was just, oh my God, it was amazing. And it was just, oh, it was such a good feeling. It was such a good feeling. Um, I'd also probably chuck in the North London derby at home. That was yeah. That was wonderful. And especially as it was... I know it's ended up costing us, but we absolutely rinsed Nuno, um, Espirito Santo. But I just remember the it, because it was still had COVID protocols. They came out first, and we really booed them. And it was like they were the villain of the piece. And like, and then watching our uh, academy boys rip through them um, was just so wonderful. Was so wonderful. And to be honest, there's there's sort of been. Other games that have been good and close. Um, I'd like to just shout out just Brighton away, um, <laughs> because <laughs> because that was that was Kelly's birthday, and she. Had... <laughs> it gets worse every time you tell that story. It just sounds awful. <laughs> and it was the wettest game I've ever been at. I have never been more drenched. We were also drenched for a nil-nil, but it was just such you know. It like it was the complete antithesis of Villa, and it was still brilliant. Um, yeah. And there's been just been so many memories along the way. Obviously, for me, I know it was not quite what we wanted, but when I turned up at a hotel in Southampton and the players were staying there, um, and you got to see them all, it was like, oh my god, wow! Like seeing them in the flesh. It's still you realise, even though you're you know the same age, and in my case. In your case, obviously, we're a lot older than a lot of them now, especially. Cheers, and, man. <laughs> yeah, and and you're still starstruck now. So yeah. there's been just so many things. It's just been it's been amazing. Been amazing. Yeah, really, really fantastic. Um, it just goes back to what we said about it's just been so much fun this season. Like the fact that we went to Brighton and had such a good time in such a dour game, in awful weather conditions, in a stadium that is a fucking nightmare to get to from <laughs> right and centre and then come out of. it's it's It was, it was brilliant. Um, and what I would like to do quickly is I'd just like to do a quick, a quick sort of um, 
because I, I felt like this has been a season that I've been a lot more sociable because previously there's a lot that I either I either go with you to games or I go on my own. And because of one one way or another, we've we've ended up with more ticket access this season. And because of that, I've done an awful lot of games with you, which has been fantastic. And I love doing that. And I've done quite a few games with my friend Matt, who's joined us for quite a few away games. And I've taken my dad to quite a few games. I've taken my brother to quite a few games. And it's just been a really nice way of just socialising and making the football experience even even better than it already is. Um, but just a, a quick testament to, to you, Andre, actually, that there's, it, there's nothing better in life than following your club up and down the country, except for doing it with your best friend. <laughs> and it's been absolutely tremendous doing this ride with you. And I, I can't wait for next season already. No, same to you, my friend. Beautifully put and, and completely echoed the sentiment. I did think this was a shout out to Trav, if I'm honest. <laughs> um... it, well, it was, it was going to be, but I, I had a change of heart midway through. <laughs> Just to explain that in joke, there's a there's a chap who lives in Stoke called called Trav, and if he listens to this, it's a miracle. Maybe I'll send it to him after this. But um, he has asked me for an away ticket for every game, and he's a really nice guy, and he always pays really promptly. But he's called Trav, and he is he's very northern, um, and he's not what you tend to see as Arsenal fans. But he's such a nice guy, um, and we've met him a few times this season. And it's just, it's still funny. It's, I don't know why it's funny, but we find it funny. Ah, oh, dear. Beautiful. That was a lovely ode. It was a lovely ode. So let's go from your favourite person of the season, me, um, to your favourite player of the season, off the pitch. Your player off the pitch, me, to your player on the pitch. Who, who's who been your uh, player of the season, Tom? I think it's very hard to look past Bukayo Saka. It's <laughs> uh, such a boring answer, but it's he's just with with young players, particularly how impressed we were with him last year. It's it's always a bit of a bit of a risk that they're going to sort of uh, have a flat season and maybe not kick on as much. He has kicked on incredibly. And he's just become the focal point of our team. He is the man that we turn to if we need a goal. And if he's not having a good game, then we know we're in trouble. <laughs> and it's just it's just very difficult to look beyond him. Um, I would like to just give a, a particular mention to Martin Odegaard as well, because I think he has become a player that is just integral to how we play. And he's another one that if he's not having a good game, it's very difficult to envisage us being particularly successful in that in that fixture. So mm. I wouldn't say Odegaard is my player of the season, but he's certainly someone who I think has come in and has slowly made that number 10 role his own and mm. is is becoming essentially the linchpin of this of this Arsenal side and being the one that knits everything together. Um, and I think that the goal that he scored against Everton the last day of the season kind of summed that up. Yeah, I uh, I think you've done two good shout-outs. Um, just looking at Saka, you know, 11 goals. Uh, this is all competitions. 11 goals, seven assists. Sorry, no, that's just the Premier League. You know, at 19, year, 19 years old, 18 um, goal involvements, I believe the stat wizards call it. It's just, <laughs> um, it's just spectacular. It's just spectacular. You know, there's no one really close. You know, Smith Rowe, 10 goals, two assists. 
Um, Odegaard, seven goals, four assists. Um, I mean, Lacazette actually has the same stats as Odegaard, but flipped. He's got four goals, seven assists. Um, I, I think my player of the season, um, if if I'm not, <laughs> don't, don't be cheeky, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, is um, I, I'd probably, this is, this is uh, an introspection almost, but I'd have to say Thomas Partey. Um, and I'll do it because I would have picked Saka or Odegaard, but for some reason you felt the need to take two. Um, <laughs> so I'll go with I'll go with Thomas Partey because I think um, I think he's been much maligned actually, and for two seasons we've been going, what the fuck's this all about? I mean, this season you saw what the fuck this is all about. Um, incredible in front of the back four, languid in possession, long legs, um, added a couple of goals from admittedly set pieces. Fucker still can't shoot. But um, honestly, when he came out the side, we went back to being a decent team. When he was in the side, we were a great team. And I don't think Odegaard stands out this season in the way he did without Thomas Partey. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, we don't play how we played at Newcastle with Thomas Partey in the squad. And I know Tierney was a blow, but nothing. Honestly, um, I think we could have done without pretty much anyone in the squad for however many games Partey missed. We missed 14 games. Um other than Thomas Partey, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, honestly, Saka, I think, you know, as much as Pepe's been a bit of a twat, um, I really think Pepe, with minutes in his legs, comes good, especially yeah. with Odegaard next to him. Um, I think on the left-hand side, you've got Martinelli, you've got Smith-Rowe up front, Lacazette, Eddie. You know, I think Arteta, if there was one thing I'd really criticise him for, you know, his inability to t- trust Nuno Tavares... But, but then keep him on against Man U and then not trust him in next games is so mind-blowing to me. Um, I still can't really get over that. You know, across the back four, probably, you know, two injuries at centre-half would have been a problem, I think, despite what Holding did at the toilet bowl. Um, you know, there's positions there. Ramsdale, Leno, Cedric, you can't really knock the job he's done, although Tommy Asu is, is so superior to him, it's incredible. I honestly think El Nenny to Thomas Partey is the biggest drop-off in quality you can have in world football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to uh, uh, hard to uh, disagree. Uh, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out for Thomas Partey because I think we've all forgotten just how good he was. Like genuinely, yeah. I, I forget, and it's not until I sort of looked back at some of these results and I was like, oh, Partey was unbelievable in that game. Oh, and that game. Oh, and that game. And and actually, every game he played, there was a period, I think around January and December, where we amassed points for fun. And he was just, he was just amazing. He was just amazing. Um, I, I think the bit that I come back to with him is, is I, I remember, I think it was post Everton. It must have been around that time. Um, and he came out and said that his performances were a four yes. out of ten. And ever since that moment, and when he came out and did that, his um, form just transformed. And he just became this completely different animal of a player. And I think that I think that's testament to him and his personality and his mentality that he was able to address his own performances and be like, no, I need to be doing better than this. And have the, the courage to come out and, and vocally say that, I think mm. is, is, is really, really invaluable. For him to be able to do that, so yeah, I think I, I, that's a really good mention from you. 
And um, I suppose I'm just looking now. Uh, I, I'm trying to. They've, they've, I use a, there's a website called FB Ref. Okay. Um, and this is quite amazing. So, uh, which gives you the minutes people played. All right. So I want you to answer me. Who do you think played more minutes this season? Thomas Party or Lacazette? It's not Lacazette, is it? No, Party played more oh, minutes than Lacazette. Does thanks. it feel like it? <laughs> no, but I, th- I feel like because of Lacazette's performances, particularly of late, um, every minute feels significantly longer than it actually is. <laughs> oh my god, it's incredible! It's incredible. Um, and T- Tierney and Party amassed more minutes than both Smith Rowe and Martinelli. Really? As well, I, I yeah, I, I guess so because obviously the first part of the season was all about Smith Rowe being that on that left hand side, and then as the season's gone on, it's sort of become Martinelli's starting berth, and they've kind of rotated a little bit. So I can believe that one. Not that I don't believe the other one. I definitely, I'm not, I'm not disputing fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, that's just in the Premier League, by the way. It might be different in all in all comps. I suspect it suspect it will be. So, yeah. So next category for you is uh, unexpected player of the season. Oh, um, I'm I'm struggling with this one because I think there's been different stories throughout the season. So obviously, you look at. I, I, I'm, I'm going to just. I'm just going to plump a name rather than go on a bit of a ramble. I'm going to just plump a name. Um, I think unexpected. I'm. I'm going to actually go with Martin Odegaard because purely because at the end of last season I did not think we were going to get him. Yeah, and he's then come in and for the price we paid for him. In this this transfer market, I think we've got an exceptional deal, and I think he he started out a little bit slowly, and I think we commented. Um, I, well, I say we. I commented at Old Trafford and said he doesn't look up to the pace of the game at all in English football. He's really struggling, and then he scored literally like a minute later. Um, and although he gave away the penalty um, in that game, and He's, he kind of kicked on from that moment. So I don't know if he wanted to respond to my criticism. <laughs> I think it is exactly that. <laughs> I, think, I, I think so too. Um, but I think he will be my unexpected player of the season just because he's essentially come when I didn't expect us to have him as a player. Mm. And has just kicked on far more than I really thought that he probably was going to, if that makes okay. sense. It does. It does. So, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you my. I'm going to give you three, and then you can pick which one. I'm going to give you four actually, and you can tell me which one you you um, would pick out of this for me. So, I'm going to have to say Aaron Ramsdale because I did not think he'd play this season. Yes, and I think his his form tailed off quite a lot actually towards the end of the season um, in terms of playing out from the back, but shot stopping wise, character wise, uh, I've been. So impressed, honestly, so 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 impressed. And to that extent, I'd also say Tommy Yasu. Mm. I think I, I don't think I realised what a great modern fullback looked like until he sort of not till he played, but until he got injured. Because oh my goodness, you see just how good he is. The drop off when he isn't there is unbelievable. 
It is unbelievable. And I think Arteta should still be struggling to sleep about the fact he didn't get him marking Son in the derby because he he is, he's so good defensively. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to add two strikers here. One is Eddie, because in light of the fact he's, you know, we'll talk about next season in a minute, but, you know, in the fact, in, in light of the fact he looks like he's going to stay, um, quite a turnaround. You know, I don't even think in March before that Chelsea game, you'd ever have thought that. And the other is Aubameyang because, you know, club captain going into this season, we've signed good replacements around him and he's he's now wearing a Barcelona shirt. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think those four, for their own reasons, are so unexpected. Um, so which out of those would you say, yeah, that's that's bizarre. I mean, I think the last one just just dropping a Bamiang leaving the club altogether. I don't think anyone <laughs> I don't think anyone would have predicted that at the start of the season. So I think it's uh it's it's hard to look beyond that. Um, in terms of a player at the club, I I, um, I think the one who has really impressed me has been Tommy Asu. Um, mm. and I completely agree with you saying that you didn't realise until he wasn't in the team just how good he was. Um, because he does everything without fuss there's nothing mm-hmm. like flary about him it is just he's a very good defender and he's just consistent and i think that's what we need in that position so i'd say abamian certainly is the the shock of the season shall we say um but uh tommy ass is definitely up there in terms of a um unexpected star okay very good very good so just cuz i mentioned um Mr. Edward and Ketia. Oh yes. Uh, what uh, you know? What what's your view on the fact we we have indeed? Well, it looks like we've we've signed him up, and I suppose the El Neni news tied in with that as well. I think they are sensible moves from the club. Um, I look at El Neni, and he's never going to be someone who who. <laughs> is an automatic first choice starter. He's going to be probably fourth or fifth choice. And he's been very vocal throughout the season and said that he loves the club. He just wants to stay and be part of it. And I think you need players like that who are not going to kick up a fuss about being not first choice and, and getting minimal game time. And you you just you need someone like him around. And obviously, he, he clearly is very good for the squad. He's very popular. Arteta speaks about him very highly. Um, and I think... It's probably a good move. Now, from what I've read, I think it's it's quite it's a short term deal, isn't it? If I'm correct, I think I remember him saying it was going to be like a, one year, one year. One, I think it was one year potentially with an option, with an option. of a, a, a yeah. second year, and I think that makes perfect sense. Um, with regards to Inketia, I think he's shown when he has a run of games, he 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 will get you goals. Um, no one else in the squad, I think, gets the goal that he scores at Ever- uh, against Everton on the weekend. Because he's just in the right place at the right time, and he just knows how to finish from that sort of range. So I think I think it makes sense, and I think it makes our our work a lot easier in the summer. Because whoever we sign, I think I think everyone knows we're going to sign a first choice centre forward, um, and I think Nketi is going to be the the second option probably. But he will get a lot of games next year because of Europa League, because of cup competitions, because of the build-up of fixtures due to the World Cup. Um, he will play a lot of football. 
and I think it would be really sad if if one of our our Hayland uh, graduates was to go and show what he could do elsewhere. When I think there is a role for him to play at the club. Now, lots of people I've seen online have been critical, saying that it's just these are not the sort of players we want to be building a squad around. But you have to have squad players. You have to have players who can come in and do a job. And I think I think Inketia can do that. Um, particularly when he has, does have a run of games, I think, like I said, he's shown that he can get can get a goal or two. So that would be my summary of those two. So I'm not I'm not disappointed about either of them, if I'm honest. I I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I mean, I don't understand what you would need. Oh, it's really hard taking a chance on Anketia, and I think the biggest positive is he is going to start. At least six games. Well, probably if you count the Carabao Cup, you know, before Christmas, he's going to start a minimum of seven games. And I think what he's shown and what has been our problem for years now is that we have one way that works. And the minute a cog or a piece is out of it, we don't work. And it's been that way for years and years. And for me, if you have a striker, let's say, because we're linked with Gabriel Jesus. okay, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But we've shown we can play with Eddie and he can be effective. Yeah. And for me, why wouldn't you want to see where that goes? You, you've got to see where that goes. He is one of our own. Um, I think he looks like a different physical beast now as well. I think um, I think he's come a long way. And, and actually, it was the West Ham game for me, which is ironic because he didn't score. But he gave them a horrible time. And I think a more confident Eddie who has more experience of those moments, bags a brace and we win 4-1. That's how big teams work, right? <laughs> is yeah. We were sitting back, sitting back, sitting back. Mohamed Elneny, uh, you know, to link it together, swings one over the top of their defence. Eddie absolutely rinses Zuma and then just bends it wide. You know, OK, rubbish that he, he, he bent it wide. But he has got something about him and I think you can't afford afford to let that go. Um, and I suppose, really, we're hoping he'll be a backup striker. And, and all the noise seems to be around yet another Gabriel. Um, <laughs> you know, what What are your views on on Jesus? Um, I am actually really optimistic about it. And I think, I think, I mean, ideally, you want someone who's maybe a little bit more of a an obvious goal threat, shall we say. But I think the the, the big thing with um, Gabriel Jesus is that he can play in any of those three positions across the forward line. And I think, obviously, we're signing him because he want, we want him to be our, you'd assume, our main striker. But if there are games when we need Nketiah in the side, then you can play Gabriel Jesus out wide. And I think that's, that's going to be really invaluable to us. But I, again, I, I mean... The price sort of keeps varying, doesn't it? Because it started off earlier in the season, it was going to be thirty million. Now it's fifty million. Now it's uh, it's so hard to know what's going on with that. Yeah, but he is a player that I do I do quite like, and I think probably fits the mould of what Arteta wants to do in terms of a, a pressing forward, um, and someone whose movement is just so much better than the caravan carrier. <laughs> <laughs> the fairy, the fairy friend. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so so 
do you think, having watched uh, an Ars- a Mikel Arteta Arsenal side, and this is my my challenge with um, Jesus is, do you not think we need the <clears throat> more physical presence up front? Because when I look at the side, um, and I'm not talking Giroud, but I just think of some of the strikers that would really suit this system. And, you know, mobile is, of course, good. But there's there's a, you know, like I feel like um, Lukaku, ironically, would be unbelievable for us. I'll tell you who else. I, I think Tammy Abraham would be very he would. good for us. He would. He would. He's, you know, that's what I mean is that real physical threat. And Jesus doesn't do that. So, you know, but that's just, that's, that's, I agree no, with you. I'm excited about it, but I think I'd rather have the physicality. I think I agree, but like I think, I think where where the, the the sort of crossover is that we we were sort of all the links prior to the Enketia news was that we were going to probably have to bring in two centre forwards, and mm-hmm. I kind of thought Gabriel Jesus would be one of them, and then I thought there would be a more physical front man as another one. So I don't know where our, our stance is with that. Ironically, if we're looking back through history, you, um, I I actually think 07-08 added by all would be fantastic in this side. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it's, but a player like that, and that's why I look to like Tammy Abraham as someone who I think would, would fit the system perfectly, can hold the ball up, can score a goal, can score headers, um, can link the play together. He would be, for me the person I'd be keen to go for, but I, th- I think that's probably unlikely at this point. Yeah, well, it's, it's just many, many millions. Um, look, who knows? Who knows? So, you know, I I would rather have a physical presence, but I do think, you know, Jesus, the thing I like the most about him is that he can cover on the right. And, and look, the thing I would say as well is if Pepe goes, we do need another wide forward who can yeah. take minutes off Saka. And it's not impossible that we see Jesus as playing off of that right or centrally um, or games where we might play two strikers. You know, we need lots of tools. I think if this season has taught us anything, it's that we need those many tools. Um, so I- I'll kick off on this one, but but we're obviously linked with Yuri Tielemans quite heavily as well. Yes. And they, they seem to be the two we've seen, right? Yeah. Have you seen anything else other than this Marquinhos fellows actually signed for Wolves but might be signing for us? Um, the, the only other one that I've seen a lot of over the last couple of weeks has been that Aaron Hickey. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But beyond that, the, 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 potentially you're looking like the two big ones that we're trying to get over the line seem to be Gabriel Jesus and Yuri Tielemans. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the, on the latter? I would be very excited about this signing. Um, I think um, he he is a little bit of what we don't have. When I when I look at Party, Xhaka, El Nenny, Laconga, you know we don't really have someone who's a bit more creative from deep. And I think Yuri Tielemans, you know, look at the goal he scores for Leicester in the cup final. I think he's a big game player. I think he's got a way to go whenever I've watched him play for Leicester against us. That's kind of a barometer, isn't it? You're always like, God, he's bloody good. I sort of think the same with Madison at Leicester, actually. You yeah. know, when you watch them, you, you they really leap out at you. 
Um, and when you see an opposition player that's hurt you or feels like he hurts you or is just better than what you've got, um, you know, I think we'd always want that. I do have some concerns because <clears throat> uh, one of the games this season that I genuinely think cost us more than any other is one we didn't play in, which was when um, Spurs were losing in the 93rd minute and won it in the 95th. And his giveaway is so bad for that um, second Bergwijn goal that I almost need him to join us so he can do something so I can forgive him. <laughs> Honestly, don't you. do it. Don't I'm... watch it back if you haven't already because it's that bad and you'll get angry. Yeah. But I, I worry I about things like that. Brain dead. Stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think from what I've read um, from lots of Leicester, Leicester supporters on, on Twitter, uh, a big part of it has been um, they feel that he's sort of down tools this year um, and that he's not because he thinks that he's going in the summer. Like Obviously, he's only got a year left on his contract, um, so it would make perfect sense for him to, to move on this summer from everyone's perspective. Um, but yeah, that's been the argument that he has down tools. But yeah, that mistake is um, nothing short of horrendous. <laughs> so, but I, I'm with you. I am. He's he's a bit of me, to be honest. That signing mm-hmm. is a bit of me, and mm-hmm. I, I'd be really, really enthusiastic if we could um, get him in. And particularly without having Champions League football, I think that would represent if we could get Gabriel Jesus and Yuri Tillemans over the line. I think that would represent two players that we were probably going for anyway. Yes. Um, and if we could get those two, uh, then I, I, I think that'd be really good. But we'll have to wait and see, won't we? <laughs> we will. We will. All right, sir. Well, North London forever. That's all we can say. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, it's been fantastic to do this. I think we should do another one in a, either a week or a couple of weeks, um, just to see the tone for the, uh, what's happening in terms of transfer business, to see if there's been any development, and also to do a bit more of a, um, a forward-thinking review of uh, what we think is going to happen next year, etc. But um, we'll, we'll come to that in the coming weeks. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Andre. It's been a, been a pleasure, as has this entire season. It, it really has. It really has. It's been wonderful. It's been a joy to share it with you, mate. And um, we go again next year. We do, we do. Um, So if you'd like to, uh, we'll try and populate our social media. I say this every week, but we'll try to actually put something out there. Um, If you want to see what we're up to on Twitter, just follow the boys in red and white. Um, But enjoy the summer, everyone. And we'll hopefully be back with episode number 50 to hopefully get revenge over Manchester United for uh, breaking (laughs) our 49 unbeaten record. This is not the end of this podcast, despite how poetic it would be. (laughs) But we will be back very soon, hopefully, with another podcast. Thank you and goodbye.